Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. For nearly 30 years, Dr. Rick Terrell has helped leaders and mentors build their skills in publicly traded companies, nonprofits, and government organizations. His mastery of the art and science of leadership gives the aspiring leader an actionable toolbox for developing effective leadership skills. His seminars convert leadership theory onto useful and achievable steps every leader and mentor can take. His experience comes from frontline supervisors as well as the corner office. In addition, he has founded and led two companies himself. His PhD is in psychology, and he has released his fourth business book, Leadership Rites of Passage. Rick's most substantial previous work was the 2009 groundbreaking book, The Wisdom of Resilience Builders, How Our Best Leaders Create the World's Most Enduring Enterprises. It shows how great leaders use four variables to build firms that are impact-resistant growth generators. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016, and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a Weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, Dr. Rick Terrell. How are you? Hi, Lily. I am so delighted to be here. I am well. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, especially connecting with you. We've been chatting a little bit right before we came on, and you're such a delight. We're so happy to have you. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Actually, I love to talk about this topic, and I'm ready. (laughs) All right. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. So my path to leadership is my whole life which I think it is for everybody. We learn who we are as we grow, right? And when I was a kid, I was in various activities and sometimes I'd be the leader and sometimes I'd not. Like in things like student council and in college, the student government, that I could get elected and then I would do everything. I wasn't a leader. I was good at getting elected and then I would do it all, right? Along the way, I've started two firms And there have been sort of stages of development in those two firms. And as the leader, 
I had to focus on my leadership and ask, what is it that I'm doing and what is it that I'm not doing? And one of the things that I found was there's layers to it. So you begin with some basic tasks and then you master those pretty well. And you feel like, gosh, look at, I'm really doing it. And then another one emerges and you didn't see that coming. And how you know this next one has emerged is because you get frustrated. And then let's look there to see what is the leadership step that I need to take now. So my firm now is called Navigator Group. And um, if anyone would like to reach me, it's Rick Terrell, T-I-R-R-E-L-L, at Navigator Group Inc., like incorporated.com, pretty easy. And that's my website also, Navigator Group Inc. This firm was formed to do strategic planning and corporate culture work. So it was pretty much straight business stuff. But you can't do that without the boss saying, you know, I got a couple of leaders here who have potential. Would you be willing to work with them? And so this has been going on for many, many years, and I've so enjoyed it. And so about myself, I will say, I call myself ambidextrous, you know, like a switch hitter in baseball. I can right-handed, left-handed, because I think a capable business person, I can read a balance sheet, a profit and loss, cash flow statement. Great. But I also have a PhD in psychology, and this is very unusual. So that brought me to focus on this leadership. And just a year ago, I wrote this book on leadership. So I think that's what brought me to you. You know, I love the collaboration between psychology and business because leadership is about social emotional development. It is about absolutely uh, growing as a person. I love speaking on this and speaking of your book, I did get a copy. Thank you. Yay, very nice. Leadership Bites nice. of Passage, the journey of the aspiring leader and the methods of the mentor. So tell us about your book. Tell us, I know you gave us your website, but what can we find on it? What can we learn? Well, the first thing you'll see on the website is the book, of course, right? You know, we're supposed to sell them. Actually, it has been selling. I've been more than delighted. I've been amazed. If you type in leadership books on Amazon, mine pops up right to the top. So who knew that would happen? This book is just a year old. And it's won several awards. It's won five awards now. No one is more amazed than me. So the publisher said, do you want to send this out for book reviews for the critics? And I said, no, because they're going to say, Obviously, this is a bright young man, but the work is sophomoric and we think he has a great future and like that. I was scared, right? (laughs) Well, that is not what they said. They said it's a a valuable tool in in every leader's toolbox. The U.S. Review of Books forwarded it to the Eric Hoffer Book Award. And when I read that, I started laughing and I thought, Rick Terrell getting the Eric Hoffer Book Award. Now that's crazy. That'll never happen. And what I did, well, with two sprinkles of humility, they have winner, the runner-up, second person, and the third is honorable mention, and that was me. But, you know, I'm not going to be like those people in the Olympics who get the silver medal and get on the camera and go, I'm disappointed. I wish I got the gold. I'm like, you're the second best in the world. So for me, five awards, I think it touches a nerve somewhere. And that's why the awards more than anything else. 
Well, it's beautiful. And you know what? Rites of passage. I'm so interested in that. So tell us a bit about those rites of passage. And are some of those easier than others? Well, none are easy. So I'll tell you, I wrote the book backwards. I started with the lit review because, you know, you go to the airport and there are these books on leadership. And 30 years ago, I was fascinated and I would read them. And then I realized this is just a collection of tips or this is just a pep talk. You know, you see these motivational speakers and you're like, yeah, and you go to work on Monday and you go, now, what am I supposed to do differently? And so over these years and years and years, I've been reading, 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 reading. You can see behind me books, books everywhere, right? And I thought, what if a young leader or even a not young leader would say, what books should I read on leadership? So I thought, I'll just type a lit review. So I started typing my favorite books, the classics, and some not so classic, but very valuable. And by page 10, I was bored. Mm. And I thought, leadership needs a story. It needs conflict. It needs struggle. And so I said, I'm going to write a business fable, like a novel. So it has a young guy who in the beginning, there's stuff about him that if you're alive, you're going to like this guy. And he joins his father's firm thinking this will be a smooth ride. And at age 25, he's new at this. He's young. His father dies. So he's now the 25-year-old CEO of this company. Well, things are going okay. He borrows $4 million. He expands drastically. And then boom, big recession. He's got 75 faces looking at him going, how are you going to pay me? And customers have just stopped sending in money. He's panicked. So he finds a mentor. And the mentor is old, small of stature, and has an accent that's hard to place. So there's a little bit of mystery to this mentor. And this book is 16 conversations that the reader, quote unquote, listens in on between these two men from when Joe Miller is a young man to a medium to a not young man. And Sagan Cruz is masterful at mentoring. So if you're a leader, you can see these 16 stages. And if you're a mentor, Watch Sagan Cruz and copy that guy because he is good. He just reaches that nerve that Joe so hesitantly exposes. So somebody said to me, this book is Tuesdays with Maury. Do you know that book? (laughs) I've heard of it. I haven't read it. And I heard really great things about it. And I'm almost feeling like this is like the beginning of a series Well, yeah. Are there only 16 challenges? Oh, no, there are way more, right? So Sagan says to Joe in the very beginning, I must ask you one question. Don't answer me today. Come back next week. And the question is, are you all in? Hmm. So Joe comes back a week later and said, absolutely. I will do anything it takes to make this business work. I have people who need paychecks. I will work day and night. I will sleep in the office. I will go personally bankrupt to make this thing work. He says, okay, I'll work with you. So from the more basic to the more advanced, the basic leadership skills are easy to see. The advanced ones are difficult to detect, but they matter. And what he says is, I'm going to send you on a journey. There'll be four missions. The first one is be the leader. The second one is create followers. The third one is become a leader of leaders. 
And the fourth one is master the psychology of leadership. Now that fourth one is put in last and most leadership books would put it in first. But I wanted to have first these tangible tasks that a leader can approach. And then in that fourth section, it says, well, these conversations would have been sprinkled in throughout the whole time, right? And what Sagan says to him, within each mission, you will reach a challenge. And think of yourself as a sailing ship, the old time with big sails, and you're in terribly choppy water, and you can see a narrow passageway. And on the other side is smooth water. And that smooth water is calling to you, Joe. And your job is to navigate your way to it. And once you get there, you're going to breathe a sigh of relief and say, wow, great, smooth sailing from here on. But you've risen yourself up to the next higher level. And soon another challenge will call to you. And I think these challenges are so important that I've given them a name, rites of passage. You have to go through this passageway. And you can ignore one if you want to, but it will never stop calling to you. So maybe a young leader who says, I cannot have that hard conversation with one of my supervisees, teammates. I cannot. It kills me. We don't have to like it, but we have to become competent at it. And you're doing that person a disservice if you don't reach out to them and say, here's what you're doing well, and here's what you got to do better. I'll help you. But if you can't do that, that will continue calling to you. We, we see people 65 years old retiring, and they still can't do it. These things don't go away because you ignore them, right? Right. And as a leader, if you don't deal with your stuff, you bring your stuff into leadership and it's magnified. When I mean stuff, I'm talking about your past, you know, as a psychologist, you've got to deal with your issues, your triggers, all that stuff. Yes. Because it is magnified in leadership. I love this, you know, so take the lead, create followers become a leader of leaders. In other words, to me, that says that you're creating leaders, you're bringing up leaders, you're empowering, and then becoming a master of leadership psychology. Is that correct? Was that the one? Yes. yes. Basically, it's really self-development. Very Um, much. We bring our whole self into leading strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So uh, you know what, Rick, I want to suggest that this is the beginning of a series because I can see, you know, a story with a woman who's rising up in leadership, people of color who are rising up in leadership. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. so many different nuances there. So my friend, this may be a series for you. <laughs> so I, I was asked to give a presentation to women in leadership about this book. Well, I went in there and I got a friend of mine who is a woman who was vice president over at Hallmark. And I said, you have to come with me. (laughs) I'm kind of nervous here. And I said to them, look, as women, sometimes you hit that glass ceiling and there's bias against you, but the person doesn't even know it. They just pick the guy. They don't say, oh, well, she's a woman. We wouldn't pick her, but it just kind of happens. There's that. But then there's also that men have been moved up in leadership, so they have mastered the sequence of leadership tasks sometimes, whereas a woman who's been stagnated has not had the opportunity for those stretch goals to master her own leadership because she's never, for example, had the chance to become a leader of leaders. So she didn't be given that, that chance. So I said to them, you know, watch for this, but study these 16 and work on them yourself with or without the promotion, just work on those. One question I got was, how come you made the story about a man rather than a woman? And I said, well, I thought about this. 
And there were two reasons. One, Patrick Lincioni, great writer, had just done one and it was about a woman. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a total copycat here. And second, and more importantly, good books about women are written by women. There's those nuances that they think and react and see the world through a woman's eyes. And when men try to write a book with a woman as the main character, I detect it and I see that it falls slightly short. I absolutely get it, but, you know, co-author may be nice. I would welcome someone to say, take your framework, different story. That's a good idea. I have one wife and three daughters, so I live in a sorority house, you know, and and I'm I'm very pro seeing women move up and it's great. I love it. And I appreciate that, Rick. But you know, I had to push a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, the question is very welcome. Very well. All right. So Rick, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? My work now is working with leaders. And it's always a challenge to get them to lower their defenses, to Mm -hmm. accept and own where the work is to go, right? They externalize. They say, my boss said this, the board of directors wants that, my employees said this, this other person is mean and it's something. And so you deal with those external. But then at some point, the mentor needs to say, let's talk about you here. Has this happened before in your life? And when they say, yes, of course, say, okay, is there a pattern that you follow that you could change? What is it you could do differently? So this is very intimate mentoring. But that is always sensitive and hard work for the mentor. But I enjoy that moment of changing the focus from external, external to self. But I don't think any mentor ever really can say, yes, check mark, I've mastered that. It's always when you're in there, you know, you are on and you're focused and you're wondering if you're doing it right. And I do wonder sometimes, I mean, I'm focusing on them, of course, but I'm thinking, Rick, don't mess yeah. this up here. <laughs> Get in here. I love that because you're so tuned into your mentee and that matters, right? But that's part of your training as a psychologist, no? Yes. Very parallel. It is the okay. same, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in coaching and mentoring, to bring that aspect is super important. We need to up-level how we connect with people. We need to up-level how we communicate with people. I'm going to say this word, the four-letter word that we don't say often, and I've been saying it a lot on these podcasts. We've got to love people. Yes. To me, that's key. That's what moves people from being defensive to more trusting. Yes. We in the English language have only one word for love, but other languages have multiple words. And there's a kind of parental love, fatherly, motherly, you care about this person and you kind of want to take them home and give them a bowl of chicken noodle soup. I mean, you kind of want to adopt them, you know, and when you feel that way, that's healthy because you're so engaged, but let yourself own that. And then you'll notice from that moment on, you are always working to their benefit. I like that four letter word. Right. We need to use it more often. People get uncomfortable, but you know, yeah, you spoke about lowering defenses And, you know, in order to do that, you've got to establish that trust. And that's not always easy, but it is a goal to help people to move past their space of being uncomfortable. Really important work. Yeah. Once they see that I am not their boss, I have no power over them, 
they can walk in and say, I did the dumbest thing today and my boss is going to kill me. He'll probably fire me. I say, so tell me about it. They know they can say anything they want and it stays right there. Beautiful. And that's very freeing to them. So at first I thought, this is a book about the leader and he sees this mentor who throws these challenges at him. And then I thought, this is a book about the mentor, how to pull this out of Joe Miller. And finally, after the book was written, I thought this was a conversation with myself. Mm. This was old me talking to young me. I did every mistake. I had every encounter. You know, one of the passages is build followership, build followers. What do you need to do that? Well, I didn't do that well when I was young and I would yell charge and I would run up the hill only to notice there's no one behind me. But naive me thought, well, this is a good mission. I've explained it. We all agreed. And so we'll all do it. And I didn't build that followership. I didn't create that partnership with them. And so each of these challenges that Joe encounters, I've encountered. And if I could go back and talk to me at age 25 or 30 or 40, what would I say? And that's the book. I'm both of the characters, you know? You know, and I picture you charging towards the top, nobody behind you. And then the saying, you know, it's lonely at the top. Um, John Maxwell talks about a lot and being lonely at the top is because you have not established those relationships. Right, right. Lonely at the top. Many years ago, I started a thing here in Kansas City, which I still do, called the President Seminar. And it's for presidents, owners, CEOs, and potential successors. And we meet once every six weeks. And after a couple of years, I was asking them, so what do you value? Why do you keep renewing every year? And the answer was unanimous. I like being with people like me because I can't talk to the people in my own company the way I can talk to these peers. I can't open up completely to the people at work about my frustrations, my fears, my worries. And it's lonely at the top. But I'm with a bunch of other people who are lonely at the top. And now we're not lonely. <laughs> so most things happen. And, and, that, and I understand that too, you know, having a mentorship group and having a coaching mastermind or what I call master growth group is key, is part of our growth, right? So yes. Rick, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I'm going to say something that's controversial, but then it isn't. Our country, our culture is so terribly divided. It's fragmented into these pockets. I'm talking about political opinions, that sort of thing. And it wasn't always that way. And so what happens is our leaders take, for example, the president of the United States, any one of the last five or six gets up and has the whole Congress there, maybe State of the Union, and says, we're going to do this and this this year. Half the room applauds and the other half boos. It doesn't matter what he just said. This is what happens every time. Can you imagine Steve Jobs getting up in front of 100 vice presidents and say, we're going to make a tiny phone that's got a camera and music on it. Can you imagine half the room applauding and half booing? That does not happen, right? So business leadership is a little easier than political leadership. But what concerns me is that in our American culture, We so much believe that, well, I get to decide that even when a business leader 
wants to move toward a new initiative that will be great. It will generate prosperity. It'll make life easier. Putting in new software, new supply chain software, something like that. It's going to make your life easier. Then you go down and talk to the people on the front lines and you get this again. You know, I think we got to just say, okay, boss, if we've all agreed to do it, then I'm going to give it everything I got. And that culture is bleeding into our everyday work. And I think a leader needs to be very keenly aware of that and go down there to those supply chain people and say, now really tell me how you really feel. I want to know, because if you're not comfortable, let's, let's you and me just talk about it. Right. Um, because that concerns me is this drift in that direction. Yeah, it is very concerning. Now, what are you most hopeful about? Everything. Yay. <laughs> yes. You know, people complain about the younger generation you know, and my kids are part of that younger generation and their friends are gunners and they're gunners and they want to take on the world and they're working hard and they're achieving well and so are their friends. You know, I have great hope for the future. And I'm also hopeful that most people have become much more open-minded about race, ethnicity, gender identity, all of that. In my lifetime, there's been a huge leap forward. Now, are we done? Oh, no, 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 no. But the amount that I've seen in my lifetime is remarkable. And that makes me hopeful for the future. And the next generation is much more so that way than even my generation. All of it gives me hope. And technology gives me hope. Look at what we're going to do. Someday people won't even have surgery with a knife. There will be none of that. You know, technology the way it's leaping, just point to a direction and I'll tell you I'm hopeful. I yeah, there is so much hope. And I do love the intergenerational when we have great conversations, we learn from each other so much. Yes. Um, the key is to be open to have those great conversations and not bring our judgment because as humans, that's who we are until we're aware of it and then kind of pull it back and start to listen more. And you know, Rick, I started this podcast because I needed to learn to listen more. <laughs> I don't know. You're a pretty good listener. Pretty good listener, Lily. I'm, I'm seeing it. You do it. Um, you know, I'm getting better. Well, I listen to your podcast and I can tell you there are podcasters who interrupt the guest or the podcaster is there to push their own agenda. And it seems like they're contorting the guest to fit it. You listen and you focus and the next question always matches some piece of what was just said. That's pretty good. Thank you. I think I'll keep you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So Rick, here we have a surprise question from a former guest. Okay, so, I'm ready. So Holly Daniels Christensen wants to know, how do you stay motivated daily to fulfill all the responsibilities of leadership? So for me, it is looking to the benefit of what we're trying to accomplish. It's being tied into the mission and the purpose and caring about those. So for me, I always need to be pursuing that mission. And the companies that I work with, where I do either strategic planning, corporate culture, or leadership development programs with them, I have to like the company. And I have to think these are compassionate people that I want to be around, right? I don't gravitate toward the others. So you vet people, you vet companies, right? These are people who are doing great work that you want to support. Oh, yes. So I tell my kids and grandkids stories about wonderful things, about what CEOs have done for their people and the wonderful programs they put in. And one of the questions was, 
well, how come you have all these nice companies? And I said, well, I just move away from the not so pleasant ones. Jay Leno asked Willie Nelson, Willie, when are you going to retire? Willie looked at him and said, retire from what, Jay? So when you find work you love, you never work another day in your life. And for me, I never say I have to work. I say, well, what do I get to do today? And I am happy being here right now talking with you, Lily. This is a good moment for me. This isn't work. This is fun. This is great. Yeah. It's I think, I think you feel the same way. Absolutely. And so here we are. We master leadership, master the verb. And so we're learning from each other. So as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? I would ask them about the very thing that concerns me for the future. I would ask, how do you engage the fragmented groups within your organization to become cohesive and get behind the goals that you're all trying to achieve? How do you engage them? I suggested a moment ago that once they get that consensus and everybody says, yep, we're going to do it, then they should loop back and go down into the trenches and ask and listen. But I don't think that's enough. That's one thought, you know, but I would love to hear what someone else might have to say. A great question. I will certainly pose it to our next guest. I'll be listening. (laughs) Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Okay. My wife and I, you know, our last name is Terrell. We should call our house the Terrell Hotel. We have taken in people over the years. We took in her great aunt from age 90 to 94. We took in her kid brother through all of high school. We were young and he lived with us. And we took in my mother from age 83 to 90. And we took in my sister for a little while while she was going to college nearby. So uh, if anybody out there is looking for a home, (laughs) (laughs) you got my email. (laughs) Come on. You know, I just finished reading Cialdini's book, Persuasion. And they speak about how when we do this in our families, when we have people over, when we take care of people, our children, those who grow up around it, start to do the same thing. And so I love who you are in this world. I see how you love and care for those around you. And it just oozes out of you and into the work that you do. And we need more people like you. Thank you for that. You made my day. Those are kind words. Thank you. So I want to thank you for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Well, Lily, thank you for the invitation. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.